and welcome to the Views from the 573 podcast. I am Matt Mormon, and I am riding solo today. Uh, no Peter Lewis, no Ryan McDaniel even, as he is out partying and barnstorming all of Tennessee. He is, you know, so excited about the Julio Jones trade. He's probably out somewhere berating Butch Jones for how much he's let down the entire state of Tennessee in the past. I saw a snapshot that he was actually in Knoxville, so who knows? Maybe Ryan's about to be a quarterback next year for the Volunteers. Maybe he will volunteer to be the team's quarterback. As uh, you know, keep an eye out on some uh, some local news down in Tennessee, though. If you if you do see stories of vandalism or burning things, riots, I don't be surprised if Ryan started some of these out of celebration for this Julio Jones trade and. That's the only topic that I'm going to talk about today. You know, I am here by myself. It is a one-man show, so it's going to be a one-topic show. Uh, The big news of this past weekend, Julio Jones, the superstar wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, traded to the Tennessee Titans for a second and a fourth. Uh, Atlanta did chip a sixth rounder along with Julio. And, you know... I don't watch, you know, like Undisputed or the Cowher- Colin Cowherd or any of those types of things, but I just have a feeling based on what I've seen on Twitter that people are just ripping the Falcons to pieces about how is this all you got for Julio Jones. So I'm going to go into that. Uh, first, let's go quickly from the Titan side of things because I think it's pretty straight up and pretty simple. You know, you're getting Julio Jones. You know, you gave up a second and a fourth rounder for one of the best wide receivers of the past decade. He still is very good on a per-game basis last year. It was actually one of his better seasons, uh, which is surprising, given the fact that he is 31 years old. You know, and, and I'm going to get into that age thing here in a little bit when I talk about from the Falcon side of, of things and kind of why they maybe weren't able to get a first and why they weren't able to get a big haul for Julio. And we'll kind of link that around, too, with the uh, Aaron Rodgers trading uh, rumors as well and kind of just touching on you know it, it feels like there's a real gap between what teams value and what teams are willing to trade compared to what fan bases and media are currently uh looking to have happen with some of these deals so first of all from the titan side of things look they are all in on 2021 and 2022 you know, for the next two years, you've got Julio Jones. You, you have Julio for three years if you want him for that third year. Uh, that third year is fully non-guaranteed with an $11 million cap hit. 11 doesn't sound like much, but for a 34-year-old wide receiver, three years from now, that might be cut. That could be the end of it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, you know, there, there's that deal. Then obviously there's Derrick Henry. At that point, he'll be 29, which we know how running backs fall off. Uh, they only have $3 million in dead cap. They can save 12 and a half by cutting them in 2023. And then the Ryan Tannehill contract, they just restructured it. They just changed it around a little bit. So with Tannehill, there's a dead cap hit of only $12 million come 2023 with a $39 million cap hit that year. So Tannehill, Henry, and Julio, all three of their big triplets on offense, the, the contracts align for 2021 and 2022, these are the two years where the Tennessee Titans are pinpointing and saying, we're going to go for it. We're going to just try to win this Super Bowl in the next two years. We're going to see what we can do. And 
at that point, yeah, it'll probably get a bit ugly after that. That's how these things work sometimes. But they're going to go for for the next two years. 2022, they do have some decisions to make because of the Tannehill cap hit really skyrockets uh, because of the way his extension was structured. So that'll be interesting. But like I said, for the Titans, it's a pretty simple deal here. It is, let's go, we're, we were good, you know, we were very good these last couple years. And we lost John New Smith, we lost uh, Adam Humphreys, and we lost Corey Davis. Let's go get ourselves a weapon, because we didn't. We had Josh Reynolds, which whatever. You know, so they, they go out and get Julio, and that's a huge addition on offense. Defense, I am still incredibly concerned. They did nothing for that pass rush this offseason. The secondary still isn't very good, even though it's some different pieces. And really, that was the thing holding this team back going into last year, I felt like, even coming out of last year. I think the Titans, I, I mean, a lot of this offseason, uh, I was kind of poo-pooing the Titans. I think last time I was on, me and Ryan talked about that a little bit, how I was kind of lower on the Titans. Because at that point in time, you know, yeah, you didn't have Julio, that helps. But I felt like they were going all in on Derrick Henry hitting another 2,000 almost. Like, their offense felt built around Derrick Henry to a fault. Like, last year, Derrick Henry had 2,000 rushing yards. That's not going to happen again. And, you know, my argument to some people is if he goes down to just like 1,400, that's a great year. That's tremendous. 1,400 rushing yards is a lot. 1,300 is a lot. But that is a 600, 700-yard drop-off. And I don't think the Titans' offense pre-Julio was good enough to make up that ground. Now it is. Now it can. You know, if Ferkser takes a step forward as the tight end one, and if Julio is still Julio, then yeah, I think this Titans offense is good enough to keep up. But they do look at still the same situation of, well, what are we going to do on the defensive side? And that's the part they got to figure out. The nice part for the Titans, too, the Houston Texans are a complete mess. They're a train wreck. Then you've also got the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are, you know, they're starting the rebuild, right? You bring in Trevor, they bring in ETN, Urban Meyer's there. I don't love the Urban Meyer thing, and some of the things have come out there, but the, there's things there that, you know, it's not going to happen in the next two years, probably, for the Jaguars. So if you're the Titans and you're looking at a two-year window, well, that kind of lines up that, hey, yeah, two years from now, those Jags might be good. They might be grown up, and they might be good. So let's go win before they're good. I think that's a pretty good strategy, team-building-wise. Um, then you have the Colts, and that's a complete wild card. They're a really solid all-around team with Carson Wentz, and we'll see. Carson Wentz was god-awful last year. We've seen Carson Wentz be an MVP candidate. I think at the end of the day, he's somewhere in between there. Don't really know where that's going to land, but you know, if you're the Titans, yeah, I think you can kind of bet on yourselves against the Colts right now by bringing in Julio. I would still like to see them bring in you know, maybe Melvin Ingram, maybe Justin Houston. Uh, let me see how much salary cap space they seem to have. They've got about 6 mil in uh, top 51 cap space. So there's probably room there to try and maneuver and uh, bring someone in potentially. I think that they're still going to maybe rework a couple things to get Julio in yet, uh, bring that number down a little bit more for him. But that's pretty much the Titan side of it. It's pretty cut and dry. The interesting side of this trade is the Atlanta Falcons. And I've got three big... Overall, well, I guess two are kind of put into one, but I've got three big points as to why I think the Falcons weren't really able to get that much for Julio compared to what I think people were expecting when you think about Julio Jones and what you should be able to get from him in trade. To me, the biggest one, number one, is timing. 
the timing and the structure of this contract made it to where they could not trade him prior to June 1st. Prior to June 1st, it would have cost them so much dead cap that it was not worth it. Now they opened up money by trading him post-June 1st. That's a very important distinction. And that's why I think this trade kind of seems underwhelming to some people. Because look at some of the suitors that would have made sense. Let's say they could have traded him the day after the Super Bowl, right? Let's say when Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford trade happened, let's say that same day you could have had a Julio Jones trade. I'm looking at the Eagles. Well, they drafted Devontae Smith. I'm looking at the Giants. Well, they signed Kenny Galladay and they drafted Kadarius Toney. Look at the Ravens. Well, they drafted Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, and they signed Sammy Watkins. Look at the 49ers. You know, I think they were even still thrown around a little bit. Well, they spent several first-round picks on Trey Lance, so they don't have the draft capital to make that move that the you know the Falcons would necessarily want. Look at the Dolphins. They draft Jalen Waddle and they sign Will Fuller. I don't think that's stopping them from making a Julio Jones trade. But the Waddle drafting, you know, that's a first-round pick. Do you really, you know, think about it from those team standpoints? You just drafted a receiver in the first round. Do you really want to trade next year's first for Julio? Are you wanting to spend back-to-back first on the wide receiver position? Because that's the thing you're doing if you make that move. You know, obviously the, the Rams, they traded both their first-rounders this year and or this past draft and this upcoming draft in exchange for the Matthew Stafford trade. They don't have those firsts to deal. So if you're the Falcons and you're looking around and you're saying, well, we really want a first-round pick, it's Julio Jones. All of these teams that really would have been contenders for it are just going to kind of look back at you and say, sorry, bro, I already spent my first on a wide receiver. I already spent money on a wide receiver. You know, it, it, like, I mean, the Ravens are the, a great example where you've got Bateman and Wallace. That's a first and a fourth that they spent this year on a wide receiver in the draft. Could the Ravens have looked at that situation and said, you know what? Maybe we don't take Bateman. Maybe we trade down and try to accumulate more picks. And maybe we try to trade for Julio Jones. Well, think back to the NFL draft. The Julio Jones trade talk really wasn't there too much. I saw a couple articles that were like floating out there, but it wasn't a major talking point. I mean, shoot, draft night, everyone was so excited about seeing Pitts and Julio and Ridley all together. And... That's never going to happen because now Julio's in Tennessee. Uh, but I think that the timing and the structure of that post-June 1st trade being necessary. They did not have the option to make this trade before them. It would have cost them extra dead cap they didn't need to do. And I think that that really was the Achilles heel on the Atlanta Falcons for a trade here. So number two for me is the injuries plus the age factor with Julio. He is 32, I believe today, if I'm if I'm reading this correctly, today is his 32nd birthday. So, hey, happy birthday, Julio. Congratulations. Nashville's a lovely place. I hope you like country music. I do. So, last year, Julio Jones only played nine games because of a hamstring injury. And, you know, he's actually been relatively healthy for a while now. I know we kind of think of Julio as always having injury problems and... You know, I feel like there's been a lot of times where he'll, like, miss some time through games or miss practices and stuff like that. But he's actually been relatively healthy for about five, six years now, I think it was, uh, prior to last year. So, age 32, though. That's where the problem is. I went to look and see, hey, when's the last time a wide receiver, 32 or older, had 1,000 yards? 
and it did not happen in 2020. Like, okay, sure, you know, just kind of rattling off the, you know, some of the top wide receivers in my head. That makes sense. The only real 32-year-old wide receivers of note that I can really think of right now in the league are what, probably Edelman, well, in the league last year, I guess I should say. It was what, Edelman, if you want to say A.J. Green, you know, sure, whatever there. And uh, Larry Fitz, again, like kind of whatever, role player at that point, right? Like, I can't really think of too Maybe Emmanuel Sanders would have had a shot at going into last year. But as far as guys going into 2020, yeah, like wide receivers are a very young position. So I'm like, okay, that's not too surprising. Let me go back to 2019. Uh, there's no one in 2019. Let me go back to 2018. Uh-oh, there's no one in 2018 either. Okay, well, 2017, a 34-year-old Larry Fitzgerald had over 1,000 yards. He had 1156. He also was the only receiver to have 1,000 or more in 2016. And he was the only receiver 32 or older at his age 32 season. Uh, in 2015 to have a 1,000 yards. So that's all as far as I went back. I was like, okay. Larry did it a few times. That's the caliber wide receiver I guess we have to look at. And, of course, absolutely. Julio is at that level. And, hey, Larry just did it, age 32, 33, 34. That's the window the the, the uh, Titans are looking at with Julio Jones to have production is those three years. So, you know, if anyone, if I were to bet on any wide receiver at that age to be able to do the things Larry Fitzgerald was able to do, yeah, Julio Jones is probably the same guy. Like, he is that bet to make. I am a little bit nervous about it, especially also I'm interested to see from the Titans side of things here, where does the offense go? You know, very incredibly run-heavy last season. You know, is that going to remain? Are they going to open it up a little bit more now that Arthur Smith is in Atlanta, which is, you know, kind of fun to think about how that happened, right? You know, Will they run Derrick Henry as many times? Will they open it up just a little bit more? I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine bringing Julio Jones and saying we're going to still run the ball 300 times this year with, with Derrick Henry. But at the same time, that is what this Titans team has been built on. So that's going to be interesting to see and, and keep an eye on. But I th- do think the age is a factor that made teams look at it and say, no, we're not, we're not going to give up. A ton for him. Not, nobody's going to give you that first round pick for a 32-year-old wide receiver, I guess. And I can't say I'm that surprised. I think that kind of links with Rodgers at his age, a 38. I don't think teams are jumping in line to throw a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. You know, Matthew Stafford at the quarterback position, too, keep in mind. That's a different uh, thing compared to Julio with wide receiver. Yeah, they feel like they can get another four years out of, out of Matthew Stafford. I don't know if people feel that way about Julio or Rodgers. So I think that's part of what comes out of this. But in number three, it all just boils down to my, my third point on the Julio side of things from Atlanta. The Falcons just had zero leverage here. They just had zero leverage in this trade conversations. You know, their salary cap situation is so bad they were not even able to sign their draft class prior to this trade. So between the Matt Ryan contract, the Julio contract, uh, I know Grady Jarrett's got a pretty big one. They, they've got uh, Jake... Um, Jake Matthews, yeah, left tackle. He's got a good size deal. The Falcons were not even able to sign their entire draft class. And that's not a good sign. And, yeah, that's going to put you in those cap problems where you're going to have to move a big piece. And Julio Jones is a big piece. Then you also obviously have the Shannon Sharp situation that happened on Undisputed where Julio basically said, yep, I'm out of (laughs) there. Well, if the player knows he's out of there, we've seen time and time again that that means the team is not going to get much back. 
And I think that all kind of boils down to why the Falcons were not able to get a first for Julio. You know, they got a two and they got a four, and that's not too bad. That's fine. But I think that that pretty much boils it down. I think for the Falcons, moving forward, I think you look back at the drafting of Kyle Pitts, I think it's still the right move. I have been preaching for a long, long time that, you know, I think teams should build before picking their quarterback. Like, I, I look at, you know, let, let's just look at Sam Darnold with the Jets. The Jets have had crap on that roster for two years with him. And yeah, he failed. And what was he supposed to do? You know, look at, I mean, Zach Wilson taking over the Jets now. You know, at least they brought him in Corey Davis. You know, they're trying a little bit, I guess. But, you know, Elijah Moore. I've always been been in favor of the build the team and then draft the quarterback. And I think that that's one thing Kyle Pitts is going to be really, really good for the Falcons. You know, we, we've there's been a trend for a long time about how tight ends do not produce much in their first year or even two years, really. Look at TJ Hawkinson. He's about to break out, we think. But it's been a couple years. You know, no fan. It's been a couple years. You know, it takes it takes tight ends a little bit of time, and I don't think Kyle Pitts is necessarily going to be an exception to that rule. So let him develop with Matt Ryan, who, by the way, Matt Ryan, I think, is going to be very good for Kyle Pitts. It's going to be a quarterback that's going to help develop Kyle Pitts. He's going to be able to get the most out of Pitts for these next two years, because Matt Ryan's contract is a whole other mess. They are stuck with Matt Ryan for the next two years. There's no getting out of this deal for the next two seasons. That was part of why also I don't think, you know, also with Trey Lance going number three right in front of them, but that's part of also why I think it makes sense for the Falcons to say 2021-2022, we're sitting on Matt Ryan. It is a $65 million dead cap hit this year. It's a $40 million dead cap hit next year. Um, I believe if they come post-June 1st, though, you can wiggle that around a little bit more. But still, those are massive, massive numbers. I don't think they should be willing to just take on for nothing. Although we did see the Eagles do that with, with Carson Wentz just not too long ago. But regardless, I think that that means the Falcons need to kind of look at Matt Ryan as Jared Goff is with the Lions. He's a placeholder. He is there to help develop Ridley into a true number one. He's there to help develop Kyle Pitts into whatever Kyle Pitts turns out to become. And he's there to be... You know, keeping that culture, you know, ushering in a new coaching staff. And, yeah, he's not the guy that's going to bring you a championship. And that's a real shame when you think about what Matt Ryan has done for the Falcons for the last, gosh, 12 years now. And, you know, all the way from that rookie year up until now, Matt Ryan has been a constant for the Falcons. But I think this trade of Julio Jones signifies that they agree they're not a real contender in the NFC South. And they wouldn't be for you know, as long as Breeze was there and as long as Brady is there in Tampa, they weren't gonna be a contender again. The this defense has way too many problems. The offensive line's not that good. And yeah, Matt Ryan is getting older and he's declining too. So I think they need to look at him like Jared Goff. They need to use him to help develop Kyle Pitts, develop Calvin Ridley. Hey, even next year, maybe draft another wide receiver in the second round with this pick. And, you know, help get the most out of that guy with Matt Ryan right now. That's the way I think the Falcons need to approach this. Don't go into next year trading these two seconds you've got, plus your first to move up from, let's say, seven or whatever it ends up being. Don't necessarily do that to go get your quarterback. 
Let Matt Ryan take the reins for two years, get the most out of these guys, get them developed, get them ready, bring in that quarterback afterwards, and then go from there. I, I think that that's the way to build this team right now. And, yeah, I think that that's a shame. And I think, you know, looking back on Julio's time with the Falcons, it's it's a little, not, not disappointing, obviously. He's going into the Hall of Fame. But it does feel a little empty, doesn't it? You know, you had the 28-3 to Super Bowl lead. You didn't finish it off. And so that was really their only one sniff of the Super Bowl. I think they made the NFC Championship. I want to say that that's who the 49ers beat on their way in with Kaepernick, I think. But yeah, it, I, I think that the, this is the signal that the Falcons are accepting a rebuild. And they might stink for a little bit. And I think for the Titans, this is their shot of saying, you know, we're going for the Super Bowl right now. For the next two years, we're going for it. And I think that's what kind of made the match work so well. Personally, I wanted to see Julio go to the Colts. I wanted to see the Indianapolis Colts make that move, bring in a true number one in front of Pittman, in front of Campbell. I don't love T.Y. Hilton anymore. Uh, I wanted to see the, the Colts make that move. But they already, you know, they're another one. I should have mentioned earlier. They made a move for Wentz. So they already traded a draft pick next year, whether it be a two or ends up being a one. So I don't know. I don't know how that works, actually. If you trade away a conditional second that can become a first, are you allowed to trade either of those two picks or are they locked in? I don't know. Huh. Well, I just got stumped, stumped myself on the podcast. That's, this is what happens when you podcast alone. You, you start rattling off conversations with yourself and you come up with questions that you don't even know the answer to. And you look over and you go, hey, Ryan, do you know what the deal is? And Ryan, you know, he'd normally be someone like, uh, Matt, I don't know, you know, and then you look over at Peter and he'd be like, well, Matt, you know, I believe in 1984, the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, they traded their second round pick, but it was conditional to become a third round pick. And it turned out to be neither because the Pittsburgh Steelers, they do what Pittsburgh Steelers do, you know, and, uh, that'd be great, you know, but I don't have that luxury today. So I don't have the answer for you people. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Now I threw myself way off my game by going down that rabbit hole. So I'm trying to see, is there anything else in my notes that I was wanting to touch on? Do, do, do. Not really. I don't believe so because, yeah, like I said, it's just me. Looking around, I don't really see any other real topics. Yeah, sure. If Ryan was here, yeah, he would talk a little NBA. All I know is LeBron got eliminated. All right. Go have fun with the Toon Squad this summer, LeBron. Can't wait to watch you on there. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for you, though. So, hey, thanks for listening. I hope this was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed it. And, uh, we'll see you next time. And maybe, at that point, I will have a teammate or two that I can, uh, you know, bounce off with. Have a little discussion. But, you know what, those are just my thoughts on Julio Jones going to the Tennessee Titans. Hey, be sure to... Like and subscribe. Wait, that's YouTube. This is a podcast. There's no liking. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in your feed. Check us all out on Twitter. Uh, you know, you know the uh, Twitter handles. I know mine is Real Matt Mormon. I don't remember. I think Ryan is like Views Five Seven Three. I think. Uh, Peter's is actually is it actually Peter? I don't remember those either. So hey, this is the most unprofessional podcast outro I have ever conducted. Thank you all again for bearing with me for these 23 minutes 
of just me rambling on about Julio Jones, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Tennessee Titans, and we will see you all next time.